With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer, Susan Slusser, and today, assistant hitting coach Eric Martins and I talk about an awful lot of A's hitters' swings and where they're at, including Chris Davis. First of all, we talked about how odd the situation currently is in training camp. It's been a little crazy, a little hectic, but we've been able to get it done. Um, I think uh, Bushy and mine's uh, plan was to try to get these guys as many swings as possible, but without overdoing it as well, you know, not falling into the pressure that we need to get these guys at bats and get them a lot of swings because of the time frame. So we just got to do it smart and, the first couple of weeks was, or the first couple of days, we, we got them some swings and we've kind of tapered off a little bit and just really focusing on getting them some more live ABs with these sim games. So I think everything's uh, falling into place now and everybody looks pretty good. Yeah. What's your impression of sort of everyone's um, preparation during the shutdown? Uh, how did guys come in? You know, what was their workload like during those months that they were away from the ballpark? surprisingly well i mean as much as they can do you know wherever they were at i was fortunate to have uh canna chris davis and ramon um with me in arizona a little bit of chappy and then um you know you can see the other guys that have that have really worked on something pinder looks really really good barreto swung the bat really well Piscotti's one of the guys that has really really stepped up and looked well and i know him and uh, marcus were working out up here so um guys have been ready to go for a while now and i think uh, they kind of stayed on track with what they were working on during spring and kept going on uh during this break well usually they say early on the pitchers are ahead of the hitters um bob melvin was telling us that he thinks that the hitters are starting to kind of catch up a little bit is that what you're seeing here as, as you guys head into sort of the second week of workouts 100%. I mean, the first couple of days was a little tough. You could tell that the guys were, you know, not just not seeing live pitching. That's all it really was. So, you know, first couple of days with Bushy and I trying to get them into the uh, cage and get them off some velocity. It's just not the same facing a live hitter. But the last couple of days, now you started to see um, the, the at-bats come, Chappie coming, Ole's getting some better looks. Penders looked like he's been locked in since he got here. Barreto swung the bat well. Ramon's starting to see the ball well. I mean, guys are starting to get their get their timing back, which you know, which, which would be typical. I mean, yeah, it was some time off, but these guys are ready to go in spring, and they kept kind of continued on. It wasn't like a, I mean, a, a full off season, but they're starting to get their swings down now. Now, I don't want to make you go through the whole roster hitter by hitter, but we definitely need to talk <laughs> a little bit more in depth about some guys. But particularly, you mentioned you'd worked some with Chris Davis during the shutdown. He's coming off of, you know, what he thinks uh, was a, a down year for him. He obviously was injured, which, you know, went a long way towards uh, explaining, you know, his, his numbers being down and, and tried to place through some things, put a little extra pressure on himself. What's sort of his mindset from what you've seen both during spring training 1.0 and during the shutdown and now? He's ready to go. I mean, he's ready to forget about last year and 
and, and get going this year with the group of guys we have. I think one thing with him is he understands that he doesn't need to carry the load with this team because our team is so talented. All we need is for Chris Davis is to be Chris Davis and go out and be that threat in the middle of the lineup and he doesn't have to carry the team. And so I think his focus has changed a little bit. He's, he's, he's comfortable. He's, he's ready to go. He's excited. Um, during the break, he was, like I said, we were hitting with Ramon. And so Ramon, you know, he picked up a couple of things with Ramon as far as hitting off the velocity machine a little bit more. So he came in a little bit locked in and, and ready to go. And he looks good right now. He's really confident and he feels good. And, um, you know, I expect Chris Davis to be Chris Davis this year. And that's all we need from him. What the velocity machine? What, what's in like, how, how, what kind of velocity are we talking about? <laughs> We can crank it up. The Ramon will get it as, as as high up as he can. I mean, we're talking probably upper nineties. You know, we try to work it at the top of the zone. And Ramon to, to challenge himself will even scoot up a little bit more. So, you know, it was probably during the break. We probably had it set maybe at around in the nineties or something like that. But it's at a shorter distance, so it could pick up a little bit. And you know, for Chris, it was something that he was not really accustomed to doing it, but being around. Uh, Ramon and Mark, who, who liked to do it, he kind of picked it up a little bit, and he actually liked it now. So it's something that he mixes into his routine every once in a while now, and it's something that I think uh, will benefit him in the in the future. What, in your mind, makes Chris such a special hitter? You know, he, you look at him, and he's not as big as some other slugger-type <laughs> guys. What's the key for yeah. his swing? I mean, Chris, if, if, if you really analyze Chris, and if you can sit next to him and just watch him, you, you'll see how long his arms are how big his hands are and how flexible he is and as he is really really strong i mean with his his swing is so simple as long as his back can stay in the zone for a long time he has a chance to hit the ball out of out of any park out of anywhere so and that's one thing with him he's got some he's got really long arms real good flexibility strong hands and once that barrel gets through the zone i mean it's it's once it's once he touches it the ball's going to jump off his bat I mean, yeah, I mean, he's pretty unassuming if you see him just floating around in regular clothes and stuff like that. But this guy is strong and he's put together really well. Yeah. I think one thing that people have noticed about him forever, you know, is he he tends to step in the bucket, which kids are told, you know, throughout, like, you know, even their amateur careers, don't step in the bucket. What what allows him to do that and still kind of have the power, generate the power he does? Well, that's, you know, that's that, that's the myth. That's just one of those things. I mean, as a kid and as, as growing up, you don't want kids stepping in the bucket. But basically what Chris is doing is he's basically just clearing his hips. And, as, you know, and that's and it takes a little a little further than normal that you'll see. But if you watch a lot of good hitters, when they land, that front side will open up a little bit and just gives him a little room to clear his hips. So that's a key for him as long as he can stay there and he can keep his body over the baseball and his hands have that clear path through the zone. I mean, that's when he's dangerous. So that's one thing. It is a little unassuming because he doesn't have very big moves. So the first thing you notice, he doesn't have, he's got the little wiggle in front. And then he, once he steps, it's really quiet. He opens up and that's what you see. Where other guys, you, you probably pay attention more to what they're doing with their bat. They may have a leg kick, so you don't really notice where they land. Where with Chris, with everything is so simple, it's, that's, what, that's one thing you do see. So it's key to his success. It's one of those things that he does that, allows him to clear his hips and his hands get are able to get through the zone as quick as they can. Does that kind of help provide a little bit of that opposite field power that we see so much of? 100%. I mean, that's one of the things that he's so well at is as long as his bat stays in the zone a long time, if Chris is late, he's so strong that that's where he hits those balls to right field. And that's where he really does a lot of his work anyway. If Chris Davis is driving balls to right center field and batting practice 
on a consistent basis and in games, and you know he's in a good position. How much of the mindset is it, you know, just being maybe more relaxed, how, just in general for a hitter, if you're overthinking or trying to do too much, how much can that impact you? Because that it, you could almost see from his body language at times last year as he was kind of in a little bit of a downward spiral that he was, you know, he was listening to so many people trying to do so many things. It almost looked like at the plate, like he was tied up in knots. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing as a hitter, you have to be confident and you have to be in the right mindset. Once your wheels start spinning, it's tough to get yourself out. You can only do so much as a coach and try to talk guys off the ledge and try to have those simple conversations with them to get them their confidence back. And, you know, Chris is so passionate. He feels like he's let the team down last year. And, and I think it's just one of those things is that he cares so much about the players on this team that he feels like he let them down. And when he went in there, when he stepped in the box, he wanted to just try to help his team so much that it kind of consumed him probably, even though he, we knew, or he knew he wasn't really at a hundred percent. He tried to play through it because that's what he's going to do. Um, and so I think that just kind of, it, it's a long, it's a long season. And when you get that, it's just really hard to get the, the mindset back. And especially with him who, who cares about this team so much and, and wants to do well and help this team win. I think it was just hard for him to get past. Yeah, that's what kind of drives me nuts when fans look at a guy, any guy, who's kind of having a little bit of a dip and say, you know, he's not trying. Usually it's it, that he's trying too hard. And that's kind of what Yeah, it's a, it's a tough game. It's a tough game. And these, these guys really do care. And that's what's special about this team is that every guy on this team really cares about one each other. And they, want, they don't want to let their, their teammates down. You know, and with Chris, he just, I think he needs to, I mean, he understands now is the fact that he doesn't need to carry this load. You know, you got Chappie, Ole, Pender, all these guys that are Ramon that are good players that he just needs to go out there and do what he does. And if he doesn't have that game that day, one of those guys are going to pick him up. And then when he's right and this lineup is clicking, we're as dangerous as anybody in the game. So um, I think he understands that now and his mind is good. He's, he's accepted the fact that last year was just a down year in one of those fluke seasons and he's itching and ready to be back. Now, you, let's talk a little bit about another major guy in the middle of the order, Matt Olson. I asked Bob Melvin the other day if, if Olson's actually a little bit underrated as a player. You know, you've got Marcus Simeon, who finishes third in the MVP race last year. You've got Matt Chapman, who's obviously very visible, kind of up-and-coming superstar. Uh, does Matt get a little bit sometimes lost in the discussion about the Oakland A's? For sure. For sure. I mean, you don't understand what Matt Olson does for this team. First of all, solidifies the, the infield. I mean, I, I, I can probably, as soon as Matt Olson stepped at first base, it's helped Marcus Simeon out so much at, you know, being able, over there, being able to pick some of those throws. And, and as an infielder myself, when you have a first baseman over there that you know is going to pick up your throws and be able to do stuff, it gives you a lot more confidence. Um, you know, and that's just talking about defensively how special he is over there. And offensively, you look at his year last year, 30-plus homers, and he missed a lot of time last year with that handmade injury. So it's one of those things where it's it's he, he, he definitely is under the radar. Even, you know, and he, for him to get the gold glove is awesome and stuff like that. But he arguably, you look at his numbers compared to the other first basemen that are getting a lot more of the, of the publicity. He's right up there with them, if not better. So, but I think Matt enjoys that. He's he likes that a lot better. He's not that type of guy that needs that that publicity, needs that you know that that media attention. He likes to fly under the radar. He's just that type of guy. So, um, but he's special for sure. We'll be back with more 
with Eric Martins in just a moment. And you can find so much more in my interviews with him and the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com. And you can subscribe at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Franklin Barreto is a guy who has come up numerous times over the last few years, hasn't quite been able to stick, hasn't quite gotten everyday playing time. He tends to come into spring trainings and have really excellent spring trainings, but, you know, in limited playing time when he does get to come up, it's it's tough. What are you seeing from him right now? It sounds like he, as usual, he came in just kind of locked in. Yeah, he uh, he did a little extra work uh, during the Oscar, during the downtime and Came in with a little bit of a different routine, and it looks good. It was definitely different when, when we first laid eyes on him when we first got here, and I finally got to talk to him a couple of days ago. Because the first couple of days, I just wanted to let these guys get some swings before I talked to him and asked the guys that I hadn't seen what they've been working on. So, I mean, he looks good right now. I mean, we all know what Franklin can do. Um, it's just a matter of him being able to get those reps. And I think there's a little bit less pressure on him now. Just understand the fact that I think he understands that this may be his opportunity now. And, you know, you don't have, I don't want to bring up any names, but Mateo's gone. And so now that kind of opened up another situation for him to know that he's out of options and we're going to give him an opportunity to play and, and go out and, and do something like this. I mean, for him, for a 60 game season, and if you can get Franklin off to a good start, that thing would be electric because we all know what he can do if he does get those consistent at bats. So he looks really good right now. Yeah. For a guy his size and his position, He's got an awful lot of power. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this guy is put together. Talk about stacked. I mean, Franklin's probably about five, I don't know, five, eight, and probably about 205. He looks like a little running back is what he does. His legs are strong. He's just one of those thick, strong guys that has got a lot of force behind his swing. He's got tremendous bat speed, and he's, <laughs> he's, just, he's I call him Mighty Mouse. I mean, he's <laughs> strong. So that's my little nickname for him. Uh, but he's definitely put together strong. If you you know you see him walking around, I mean he's he's definitely a thick kid. One of the other guys who's obviously uh, under strong consideration for that uh, the majority of playing time at second base is Tony Kemp, who we've seen on the other side with Houston and uh, coming off the bench usually. What are your impressions of Tony so far as a hitter? Tony's got the, he, he's Tony's one of those guys that can do a little bit of everything. I mean he'll surprise you every once in a while with a little bit of power. Um, he can use the field. He's really got a good approach. He likes different things, sprays the ball around, can lay a bunt down, you know, gets on base. So he's just one of those guys that will give you a consistent at-bat. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be one of those. He's not like Franklin where the ball's just going to jump. He's going to be hitting homers, but he's a guy that can hit, and he'll surprise you, you know, give you a good at-bat, and he understands the strike zone. So um, he's one of those guys going to get on base and set the table or be one of those guys that can, that can come in late for a matchup situation if he doesn't start that day and we have no problem getting him in the lineup. Now, Chad Pinder's also probably going to get some time at second base. He's really wound up in a platoon situation for the majority of his big league career. I think everybody at this point probably knows that he's a really important piece for the A's. He's, you know, people call him the glue guy. He, he really is. He's a team leader. He's so versatile. Is he a guy who's still sort of learning how to handle a platoon role, which is tough when you're the right-handed part of any sort of platoon? Uh, is it still kind of an area of growth for him? Uh, it sounds like he's, you know, as you mentioned already, he's swinging the bat real well so far. 
Yeah, I mean, I commend Chad for for accepting this role. It's tough for him. I can un- I can only imagine. I mean, Chad can hit. Chad, whether lefty or righty, it doesn't really matter. Wish we can get him some more bats right handed. Uh, maybe he will. I mean, it looks like the way he started off right now, and uh, maybe he's earned some more at bats uh, from the right hand side. But you know, going back to what he does is so important for this team. He definitely is the glue guy. He keeps the Chapmans in check every once in a while. You know, he's almost like they used to call him Pinder Care back in the day where he kind of took, looked out for those young guys and kept them together and kept them on the straight and narrow. And, you know, and everyone loves him. He's such a good guy and, and everybody roots for him and he can do so many things. I mean, play the outfield. Sure. I'll go out there and turn himself into the, one of the better outfielders we have on this team. And he's so versatile being able to play all four positions in the infield. So, I mean, he definitely is an important person, player on this team, and he's one of those guys that I wish that we can find a way to get him some more bats. And I mean, the way he's swinging the bat right now, it it almost be a disservice not to get him in the lineup a little bit more. But we'll see what happens. I mean, but definitely one of those guys that he plays a huge role for this team, and he can do so many things. Definitely, I I've, I've always kind of wanted to see what he could do with basically a, a full time job somewhere and regular at bats. Now, Stephen <laughs> yeah. Stephen Piscotti missed some time last year with an injury, and then during spring training 1.0, he didn't really have any at bats because he had another injury. It looks like fully healthy now. Again, he's really coming on strong. How, what are your um, thoughts so far on what you're seeing from Stephen? That's one guy that I've really been impressed with. Um, he really worked hard during this downtime. It was beneficial for him that, you know, this unfortunate incident happened, but it allowed him to get healthy, not feel like he had a rush back and work on some things that he did during, during the downtime. And he looks really, really good. Um, I got to see some of his video work that he was doing during the downtime when he was doing some rehab stuff and really transformed his swing to get it back to where it was a couple of years ago. And now he looks locked in. So he looks good. He's one kind of, I don't want to say a forgotten guy, but, you know, because we talked about so many of the other players and forget how important that Stephen Piscotti is to this team as well. I mean, we had guys step up last year and, you know, Canna had a great year and all these guys had great years. And you put Stephen Piscotti in this lineup too. Now you talk about depth. I mean, it's, it's really good. It's really incredible. So he looks locked in. He's healthy. That's one thing that's, that's huge for him. And he looks really good. Yeah, that's what I keep, um, you know, asking guys on the video calls that we've been doing uh, since camp started. You know, if you consider a 60-game season with you guys having, assuming full health, but with Chris Davis maybe being back where closer to where he was two years ago, Piscotti maybe back closer to where he was two years ago, um, Franklin Bretto maybe uh, figuring some things out, uh, you know, a, a, a catching core that looks like they've got a pretty good shot to be some pretty good hitters and Matt Olson available for, for the two full months. That's pretty dangerous. Yes, no, for sure. Especially now with the 60 game run. Um, you know, I played around with a couple guys and, and talked about, it. it's the road to Omaha. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to, we got 60 games, to get to the College World Series, let's go. You know, we're going to be able to use a lot of this depth that we have, which is pretty fun. I mean, you, being able to mix and match later on in games, if we have to, Bob's going to do what he does, which, which he's so good at, and being able to pick his spots to use some of these guys. And, you know, it's it's going to be fun. It's it's an exciting time. Once we get going, yeah, you look at it, it's like it's only 60 games. But you know what? Every game, every inning is going to count now. And it's I'm excited for that because I like our depth. Well, talking about depth, I mentioned the young catchers, and they are all very young, you know, with 
Sean Murphy and Austin Allen and Jonah Heim. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of initially looked at it and go, you go, Sean Murphy, very special defensive player, great catcher. Austin Allen, kind of all hitter. Jonah Heim, maybe like a little bit of a hybrid, kind of good at everything. How are you seeing things? Is that kind of maybe a misnomer? Where do you see them all as hitters right now? Yeah, I think it's a, uh, uh, you look, first of all, we we'll start with Sean Murphy. I mean, we all, we all know how special he is behind the plate. <laughs> this guy can hit. <laughs> He's got some tremendous power, and I don't think he embarrassed himself when he came up last year and, and you know, in the brief time that he was here. So, I mean, he's special. He's going to be one of those guys going to be able to hit some homers and drive in some runs and stuff like that. Austin Allen is continuously improving behind the plate. He looks really good back there, and he's dangerous at the plate, playing against him a lot last year when he was in El Paso. I mean, this guy was one of the premier left-handed bats in the in, in the PCL, and he's got some serious power. And, and Jonah can just do it all, like you said. I mean, he pretty much hit it on the head. Jonah's really well, uh, catches, throws well, switch hitter, hits from both sides, and one of those uh, lower, uh, under-the-radar guys as well. I mean, those guys were battling in spring. I mean, I don't – luckily for me, it's not my decision of who had to make this team, but it was going to be tough to see who was going to do it because those, both of them had a really good spring training. So, um, looking at all three of those guys right now, I'm really impressed with our catching core that we have right now. and We finally have some depth back there. Um, and so <laughs> – you know, with the taxi squads and stuff like that, I'm sure we're going to probably have to keep a third catcher, so it kind of benefits us in the long run anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I- I'm with you. During the spring 1.0, I was like, uh, well, this is an embarrassment of riches, but how do you even decide? You know, Murphy's a, a an absolute shoe in of course, but I don't, you know, it's pick them between Austin Allen and, and Jonah Heim. <laughs> Um, yeah. you, the taxi squad, you've obviously worked with a lot of the young players over the years. Um, who do you, who kind of jumps out at you from some of the other 40 man guys, the guys might, who might not be on your initial 30 man <laughs> roster as, as potential pieces that could, could help you if needed. I'll tell you what, uh, sky bolts look pretty good in this little spring 2.0 that we've had right now. I mean, if you forget, we talk about sky's tools, is he going to be able to put it together? And he's had a little bit of taste here and there. He's looked really good in spring right now. Um, you know, going down the list, it's, it's just a, <laughs> we're fortunate to have the players that we have and the depth that we have. And right now, just focusing on these guys, it's really, you, you forget about the Fowlers and those guys as well. So, you know, Dalton Jeffries, even though I don't talk about the pitchers, good to see him healthy and some of the other guys that will be coming around as well. So, um, you know, the depth that we have, even with some of the non-40-man guys, a guy like Nate Orff and Eric Campbell who can mm-hmm. play all over the place, I mean, we talk about versatility in a time like this with 60 games, how important that's going to be. It's we got the right guys, right, right kind of pieces to, to help out if we need those guys. So, um, yeah, I really like the, the, the the group of players that we have right now. Yeah. It was, I mean, if, if in a 60 game season, you, you kind of think, well, maybe we might not need quite so much depth, but, uh, under the circumstances with the possibilities of positive tests or what have you, Depth could really decide, I think, a, a season, and, and you guys have a, a, a really a lot of it, particularly in the outfield, um, as you mentioned, with people like Sky and Justin Fowler, and uh, on and on and on. Now, this is your first year, uh, the big league level assistant hitting coach. How has it? Been? It's obviously been a very strange year with the <laughs> shutdown and everything. But how are you finding things? Oh, I've I've enjoyed it. I mean, like I, I tell people all the time, I said I'll never forget my first year coaching the big leagues. That's for sure. So it's definitely uh, an experience. You know, some of the other 
coaches have been like, well, I feel bad for you. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It is what it is. We're going to deal with the circumstances. It doesn't matter to me. We still got the same goal in mind. And, you know, the shutdown, it just, just when it happened is it was such a tease because spring training was just kind of, it was, I don't want to say it was a normal spring training, but for me, it kind of was because I was always in big league camp with, with our guys until the week before they were getting ready to leave or right before they're getting ready to leave. But now we we're getting ready to leave and I was actually leaving with them. So now I was actually starting to get excited and then all of a sudden it got shut down. So, I mean, that's, that's the only part of it that's kind of, you know, a little bummer and, and some of the trips and road trips we'll be able to see, but you know what, once we start, it's, it's the same goal and the same mindset. So I'm excited. I mean, the staff is awesome. They've, they've, they've welcomed me with open arms and, you know, I just want to do whatever I can to help this team win and, 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 and do as well as we can. Eric Martins, thank you so much for joining us on A's plus. We're looking forward to talking to you again at, at some point later in the season. Absolutely. Susan, anytime. Thank you. Thanks again to Eric Martins for joining us on A's Plus. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. We'll be back with more A's Plus next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.